Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. SB Nation and Underdog Dynasty present the Underdog Podcast. And we're back with another episode of the Underdog Dynasty Podcast, AAC edition. My name is Dan Morrison. That is Emily Van Buskirk. How are you doing today, Emily? I'm doing fantastic. How are you doing? I'm all right. I'm tired. I just got a puppy. Oh. And amazing, <laughs> but I'm tired. I bet. It's like, having, it's like having a kid. I think people with kids would disagree with that. But Oh, shit. Yeah, that probably wasn't very considerate of people with children. Uh, I just mean in the beginning that it, it takes on the same hours is what I've been told. I don't can't speak from experience. I've neither had a puppy nor have I had a child. So the thing I'm trying to do first and foremost is get her as housebroken as possible, which is only so possible because she's tiny. Her bladder is small. It's just not the size that it's going. Do you to live in an apartment? I do. Okay. See, now that's a whole nother discussion about having dogs. Like how big is she going to get? Uh, 40-ish pounds. Okay. It's not too bad. I'm very against people having big dogs in in apartments. Cause I just, especially dogs like that are yard heavy, like to run. I, unless you're taking them to the dog park every day, which I don't think there is a dog park in my apartment complex. (laughs) another okay damn whatever living living it up over there you got your own dog park all right i was say i play i pay for the price is not bad you're a grown you're a grown ass man i love it good for you Uh, and there's also there's actually a really nice dog park not too far from where i live so that's like you better be going there every day or i'm gonna be giving you actually she needs to be a little bit older before she can go there because yeah right now she won't even take walks she just like lies down she's like i don't know what we're doing out here so yeah that's fair it's fun she's great anyways peed on my foot earlier today it's great oh well i hope you're taking lots of videos because apparently you know it goes by quick (laughs) yeah absolutely uh what are we talking about college football it's week one one. this is the first one of our preview I know you guys missed it so much, our weekly preview of AAC games, but it's back. So everyone just groan at one. <laughs> Who are those two old guys from the Muppets that just make fun of them? <sighs> I honestly, I, I don't uh, know. I can't remember their names. No, right. that's, someone, I think that's fine. Someone please DM me the Muppet people. <laughs> please don't tweet, don't include me in that tweet. I don't want any Muppet I conversation. Be a DM. DM me your Muppet information. Ew, that just sounds weird. Um, short week this week. We're finally getting some some Thursday night action, which is yeah. good. Absolutely. We love that. Uh, yeah, we got games Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. If you're looking for more than AAC football, well, you can go into Sunday too. Mm-hmm. I will be. I know you will because you're going to be in New Orleans <laughs> for LSU Florida State. So excited. 
Did you see Mike Norvell, our old Memphis friend, mm. Florida State head coach? Yes. If we beat LSU, I'll eat a plate of beignets while doing my radio. I really thought that, like, first of all, I know you're making fun of it. I thought it was so wholesome. Like that, Mike Norvell is a wholesome guy. And okay. that but statement was meant like genuinely, like he was. Okay, but like, if it, of course. Don't turn it into something that isn't you and the internet. Too. Yeah, if I if I lose, I will eat a whole plate of beignets in my hotel room while I cry. Like, no, because he's not. He's really people don't realize he's really into like health and fitness. He's in really good shape, and he's very much. He always has been into like health and fitness. So for him to eat a plate of beignets, that's not a normal activity like we would do on a Saturday night. Okay, just, it does. It's not the same as Shane Beamer getting dunked on with mayo. To I mean, yeah, of course that's, but that's not his style. Like he is very whole. No. It's like a Davo Sunny, like you know, it's, a, it's just wholesome. So I am so excited to finally see Mike Norvell in person. I haven't seen him since he has been the head coach of Florida state. I haven't seen him coach a game live. So I'm excited to see him. Um, a couple other coaches that I know coach Atkins, uh, I'm excited. And I just texted one of the FSU coaches and I was like, all right, are we going to see a battle here? Like, is this going to be, is this worth me coming all the way to new Orleans for? And they were like, well, yeah, get like buckle up. So, well, new Orleans is worth you going to new Orleans for. <laughs> I mean, not if you go all the time that like I do, like it gets, it's too much. Every time I go there, it's like I a, love a, a bender week. weekend. Well, that's the thing about <laughs> new Orleans. I love it <laughs> every year or so. I think that's the most I could do though. I love, yeah, but I do love that city. Uh, it's kind of like Miami. I can go there for a very limited amount of time and have fun before it's like, I just need to physically not be here anymore. I like, can't, I can't do it with, can't do with it. But anyway, so, well, that's, that's Sunday, but let's start with Thursday AAC games because that's what we're here to talk about. We got, we got one AAC game on Thursday. Ooh, that makes it easy for us. <laughs> it does. Just I mean, one game. <laughs> I'm going to be watching like three screens at once, but this is going to get my primary <laughs> screen because it's South Carolina State at UCF. Mm. Uh, I don't think we need to spend a ton of time talking. It's an FCS versus FBS matchup. Should take care of business pretty quickly. Mm -hmm. I'd be lying to you if I said I knew anything about what South Carolina State's roster looks like this year. Uh, you know, we're yeah. going to see John Rice Plumley. We're going to see oh, Gus's I... offense. I'm excited for that. Get in, take care of business. You know, if there's any little bumps you need to take care of in the road, take care of them. Get out healthy. That's the hope and goal. I can tell you that South Carolina State, uh, this game does not feature a fullback. So I have been painstakingly, I don't think I shared this with you, going through every single FBS and FCS roster for the last week. <laughs> seeing if they have fullbacks listed uh, to make a comprehensive watch list for those of us that care about fullbacks, like who has them, which games we can expect them in, where they're listed. And I've made it to the U's, so like University of, and I just did UCF. Uh, obviously, no surprise there. There's no fullbacks. That's fine. Gus needs to get settled in before he can do that. I, I understand. You're too, you're too still in the full. Hit the transfer. Yeah, that's fine. It'll. I'm thinking it's a year four move for him, so I'm not worried yet. But but South uh, South Carolina State, no fullbacks either. So that's my one really? sad note about this game. Coach who literally wrote the book on the spread option and like spread offense would have had a fullback. No. Okay. 
Oh, this is what's so frustrating when people say things like that. So uh, this is why I need to publish my article. I've been saying I'm going to publish it forever, but I am writing this piece. It's called um, the fullback isn't dead and college football didn't kill it. And one of the main interviews in this like masterpiece that I've been crafting for years since COVID is Gus Malzahn. And I particularly went to him and Rich Rodriguez, who is arguably the founder of the hurry up and one of the proponents of the spread from his time in 1997 at Glenville state, which he actually sent me playbooks from so that I could study them. He and, and so Richard and Gus Malzahn both told me that a fullback was very much important in this implementation of the spread offense. And you can see that when he was at Tulsa, he talks about using Charles Clay, who was a very important part of that whole you know phenomenon at that time. Um, and, and Rich Rodriguez said there was fullback plays when he was at Glenville State, and you can see them clearly in his books. So, and the reason they give for that is because it makes the the offense dynamic. And mm-hmm. if you ask any quarterback that's in a spread, which is most of them, um, you'll they'll tell you how important the fullback is because it's this it's another layer that gives them an option, gives them time, and it confuses the defense. It makes them mm-hmm. hard to to go up against. So, no, I know. I'm just kidding. You know I know, but like it that. just makes me so mad because, you know, like, I, I know it makes you mad in your passion about this, and <laughs> I really appreciate your your passion about the fullback position. I hope Thank you know you. I do recognize that offsetting a tight end, like behind the offensive line, or getting a running back who's two hundred thirty five pounds and strong, are very similar things. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Often, well, that's one of the things I've been going through. Not to go more in this tangent. This is the last thing I'll say about it, and then I'm going to talk about the game. Um, oh, yeah. Basically, when you go through these rosters, yes, I go check if there's an actual fullback listed, and sometimes they're an H back, sometimes they're a slash. You know, like I just had a guy that was. Uh, alignment slash fullback or something slash fullback. Um, so you look that first, but then when I'm done and I don't see that or whatever, then I go to the tight end section and I look at a six foot, 230 to 250 pound tight end, because that is a fullback. And you look at his stats. If he has no receptions, no carries, but he's playing games, he's playing 11 games. That's a fullback. Yeah, so it's an extra blocker. It's a little bowling ball. That's it, it is. And it isn't. It's it's yes. Yes. So, um, so it's been, I'm almost done. I'm going to publish my report, my findings, um, hopefully at the end, before the season starts on, I mean, before week one starts on Thursday. So you we'll see. I think I've never asked you. Mm. It's who's your favorite fullback. <laughs> it's a really hard question because um, my favorite fullback that I've, yeah, it's a tie. It's Daryl Johnston, obviously, who I I think is the godfather. I know people want to say Rathman or they want to say um Zonka. <laughs> Zonka action. I mean, there's so many, you know, that people sometimes list as a fullback historically. <laughs> there's a lot. There's and there's there's guys that made Lorenzo Neal. I mean, there's people that you would turn to maybe before Daryl Johnson, but I just think he embodies a fullback in its in, in his entirety, like not just how he plays, but how he is off the field. Mm-hmm. So, but the reason I fell in love with fullbacks was a guy named Owen Marisic who played at Stanford. Um, he was the only two-way player at the time in college football. And he was the only guy to score back-to-back or to be part of back-to-back touchdown scoring plays on offense and defense in a game that Stanford um, played. So Owen was called the Terminator. He's incredible. He actually played for the Browns for a little bit, dropped out of the NFL and is now a doctor, like a neurosurgeon. 
Very Stanford. Um, yes, exactly. And so uh, that's kind of who, how I fell in love with the position and everything he did. And that was during the Jim Harbaugh era. So right. it was a different time, but yeah. Anyways. Um, okay. South Carolina state UCF. What am I interested in this game? I'm interested to see how the Knights, like you said, get things together and how, how either long or quickly it takes them to put the pieces together, especially against an opponent like this. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's live action reps, you know, mm-hmm. which I think you're hitting. So it's someone who doesn't necessarily know what you do. It's someone who you don't necessarily know exactly what their game plan is. It's, it's more true. It's, I mean, don't get me wrong. It's a game you should win by 50 if you're UCF because of just the talent gap, but it's still unpredictable in that regard. And it's really important to go out there and take care of business. And like we saw the Florida and North Carolina week zero game, Florida and hung around in that game and they were supposed to lose by about a thousand. Yeah. You know, they only brought like seven linemen or something like that. It was not good for them what they were bringing in. Um, you know what I think is funny about this game is that they have, uh, they're like mirror images of each other last season. They both started out kind of rough and had really strong finishes. Right. Um, so I think that'll be interesting because they're both coming off of like strong seasons at the end. And that's always good when you're coming into a new season to have ended the last one. Well, also I think South Carolina state is decent defensively. Um, I want to say that's kind of more where their strength is. So I'll be very interested, especially in the defensive front. So I'm interested to see how, you know, Bowser and, and those guys get through that and, and how long it takes them to figure that out, you know? Yeah. So. Yeah. All right. We're going to pick. How, you didn't say how much uh, is UCF favored. I did not even look up Vegas. Uh, I'm pretty I, sure they I are favored. They're by, when, I know they're favored, but 35 and a half, I think, was the last time that I saw I think it. That so. sounds reasonable to me, in all honesty. That's that's not. <laughs> yeah. You know. But um, do you think do you think that they'll that that's really realistic that they're going to win the game by that played, much? These two teams played a couple years ago, and it was like 56 nothing or something like that. That was during okay. the era. Um, yeah. All right. Well, then we're both picking UCF. Well, let's not go too. F- yeah. We're both picking UCF. <laughs> or we go too okay. quickly here. No, I, we, yeah. we already spent more than 30 seconds on that game. So, which is really what I meant to spend in all honesty was 30 seconds. I know. All right. Next uh, Friday night. Yeah. Temple at Duke. This I think is an interesting game, though. I don't know that it's going to be an entertaining game to actually watch, but I think there's, I mean, Stan Drayden's first game at Temple is the very first thing I think you look at. Um, yeah. And I'm just curious to see what Temple looks like when they hit the field. It's Don't get me wrong, the roster has holes and gaps it needs to fill, and we talked about that when we did our Temple preview. I don't think it needs to be reiterated. Everyone knows Temple has issues with its roster construction right now that are mm-hmm. inherited issues for Drayden. Um, but what's the attitude? At, like, what do they actually – Again, it's kind of that cliche that Temple has, but that Temple tough thing. Are they act? Are yeah. they act like that in a way they weren't the past couple of seasons? Those are the yeah. things I'm interested to look. It's more about the attitude and confidence, and those little details. Are the details changing? Not necessarily the end result, but at the same time, Duke's going through a transition too. Mike Elko is a new head coach to them. 
Uh, yeah. So do we know much about him? Like, do you know anything? Yeah, I know about him. He's a smart guy. So you, you've gotten to hear, you've gotten to hear Drayton and I wax poetic about, you know, what a humble and good guy I think Stan Drayton is. So because obviously this game is like an arm wrestling match. I don't want to say pissing contest because that's like uncouth. So I'm looking yeah. at it as like, they're arm wrestling at a bar to see who's stronger. That's what this game is. Cause you're both coming out of these terrible seasons. You're both new head coaches and you both know that, you know, that you had very similar parallel storylines here. So it's like almost a foot race to the, to the finish line. So my question is Stan Drayton is a stand-up guy. I don't know much about Mike Elko. Do you think that this is going to be like a gentleman's duel or do you think that Elko is the kind of guy that'll, you know, I get like a little him. jiggy with it, if you know what I mean. I like Mike Elko overall. He's a mm -hmm. smart guy. That's a lot of like Okay, so they're both smart, so that'll be he's interesting. He's got an Ivy League background. He was, mm -hmm. When Notre Dame went 4-8 in 2016, they hired new OC and a new defense coordinator. Elko mm -hmm. was that defense coordinator that they hired there for 2017, and he turned around the Notre Dame defense, kind of like a snap of the finger from Brian Van Gorder to him. Uh, Texas A&M swooped in when they hired Jimbo and offered him a truckload of cash to be their DC. So he went off and was at AM for the past three, four years, however long it's been since then. Uh, really smart defense coordinator, good defensive coordinator. Mm -hmm. I, don't know, I don't know that I'd call him the most aggressive play caller on that side of the ball. Uh, right. But he's a smart guy. I like him. I think he was a good hire for Duke if he sticks around long term. They won't rush him, but like if he does well, you know, the next job comes calling. Um, well, I think it's good that he, one of the things that I think Elko did do well in this off season was rebuilding the secondary, which I think gave up an AAC worst of 311 oh, yeah. yards Duke last year, which awful last I, year. I'm like, were they even on the field? Like, were there guys that were out there? That's crazy. So I see that he went out, he added transfers from Iowa state, Western Illinois. He really did the due diligence to rebuild. You know how important a secondary is, especially when yeah. you're playing in a league that features quarterbacks so, that are good and like dare out the ball. At the same time, I do expect Temple to be a run first team, if only because mm -hmm. of Drayton's background. And that's I fair. I don't really trust Juan Mathis as a thrower. You know what I mean? I'd like to say that uh, he was named the starter, and I was correct. So, fair enough. We'll Thank see you. if he's the starter on October one. Well, all I know is that I knew Sandrine was going to name him the starter to, to start. And he was playing coy with me in that interview, but I knew it yeah. was going to be Mathis because you. How could you not give him a shot? You got to at least give him he the shot. You know, he's got raw talent. It's one like yeah. Jordan, who transferred from Michigan to Tennessee. He's one of those guys where you look at him and you go, "It should work." He's got the raw talent. And it hasn't clicked on the field for Milton. Well, or, he had no support last year. I mean, how, no, he didn't. It's like, but, but, you know what I mean? But that's the thing is like, no one would have had support last year at quarterback. It just, there's. Right. There's, he, but he just bore the brunt of it is what I'm saying. He was a little bit yeah, like a scapegoat, you know, people didn't know what was really going on until it was too late. And so they just thought, mm -hmm. oh, he's bad. No. I mean, we don't know for sure, but like, I don't think so. I think he was just dealing with the toxicity in the program, you know, and he was trying to do the best he could, but yeah. I think it's going to be an interesting game. I'm definitely tuning in for this one. So for sure on a Friday night, what else are you doing? I mean, a day? lot. I'll be flying. I'll be flying oh. to, I'll be flying to Starkville. So, but I will, I will make sure I watch it. <laughs> yeah. Emily's going to Stark Vegas. We'll get to that I game in a little bit. Um, I have one quick question about Duke though. 
Mm. If they were in the AAC this season, where would they finish? One through 12 at that point. I mean, that's tough because range it. You know what I mean? They have the same, they had the same season Temple had. So both like arguably power five ECC talent. Maybe. I don't know. I said arguably, you know. I don't know. Kind of like how Vandy or Kansas says arguably. That's really hard for me to say because like I'm not going to let some, you know, quote unquote big shot team come into to what's now my conference and I'm not going to rank them higher just because they're a power five. Like Duke is Duke football, big shot team. I mean, I would put them. That's where I would honestly. 11, 10 or 11. That's yeah. I think that's fair. You know, I think based on performance, I think around ten is a fair point to put them. So I, my point is, I think, I mean, that do. Mm-hmm. I think Temple, it shouldn't necessarily be a blowout. I think they should have a puncher's no. chance. Yeah, I think it's going to be a good game. I don't think they're going to win. Duke is favored yeah. by seven right now. That's I think shoe as well. I think Duke's winning. Yeah. Gonna because because you're picking Duke, I'm gonna go ahead and pick Temple. Just to be different. Um, to keep it interesting, and because I think that's gonna be like one of my 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 Tulane team of years past, where I just picked them all. Yeah, the time. At least Tulane last year was like predicted <laughs> to do well at the start of the year. And start <laughs> yeah, but this is there's no expectations on Temple. Like if they win X amount of games, people are gonna be like, all right, let's go. So go for I it. mean. I think it is going to be a touchdown. I think seven points is right. And I, mm-hmm. I think Duke will win by a touchdown, but I think it's going to be a lot better than people expect. I think so. it's a really hard game to predict overall. Yeah. Uh, our next game up right. is uh, we're hitting Saturday. Now these are the noon games. Our next two games. Uh, NC state travels to ECU. This is one of the most interesting week one games for me, at least mm-hmm. uh, you have an NC state team. That's getting, a lot, a lot, a lot of hype this year. Yeah. Potential ACC I don't, it, I feel like this happens all the time. And I can't remember the last time it's panned out for them. That's what I was just about to say. NC State's <laughs> like, really good program that loses three or four games every year, no matter what. Yeah, like, they're decent. I mean, they're strong. I don't. I, I like for the life of me, could not picture what 11 and one uh, NC State looks like. Right. I can't believe they're ranked 13. Like, that's insane oh, to me. I can't believe Notre Dame's number five, but you got to put someone there. <laughs> Whatever. And, you know, yeah, that's you know, very high for a first-year coach coming in. <laughs> well, what about the first-year quarterback? Anyways, yeah, all of it. Just uh, all of it. <laughs> oh, speaking of quarterbacks, let's not get too sidetracked on mm-hmm. that. Uh, Devin Leary is one of those guys that mm-hmm. people are expecting a ton out of this year. He's going to get NFL hype. He might, if he has a few good weeks to start the season, get Heisman hype before I'm sure it fizzles out and they go with one of someone from an old reliable program, you know? Yeah. I just, NC State's always liable to lose a random game like this to a tough opponent. And you know what? That's the thing is ECU's tough this year, you know? Yeah. They're yeah. not an easy team to beat. Like, like NC State's exactly. not coming into this, this thinking, is, oh, this is going to be yeah. fine. Yeah. This atmosphere is going to be awesome at ECU. Yeah. Like, yes. It's going to be really awesome. Uh, my biggest concerns for EC, or my biggest singular concern for ECU mm-hmm. is the secondary holding up over the course of four quarters. 
his Leary is a good quarterback. There's he a is a good quarterback, especially in the fourth quarter. And if you get drawn into a shootout, I don't mm-hmm. love Fulton Aylers in the shootout. Yeah, I don't think ECU wins if it comes down to that. I don't think that's their strength at all. They're no. they're they're a punch you in the mouth kind of team. They're not it. <laughs> They're not like a marathoner, like with elegance yeah. and grace. If, <laughs> if, if ECU can punch you in the mouth and hold you down, it's, if they can make it more of a wrestling match rather than a... Uh, yeah, yeah, that's a know, good like way to said, put it. Rather than a marathon game where you just have to like keep up. Like, it's, I guess it, that's our yeah. style snake bites thing, but they're just different style teams. Also, I yes. found that, that researching for this mm-hmm. game... It's insane. The last two times Dave Dorn, the NC State coach, has coached against ECU, you know what the combined record is in those last two games? 92 and 9. You saw that stat too? Yeah, it's insane. I did. <laughs> I know, it's crazy. That's insane. It reminds you how lean a few of those years have been for ECU. Really <laughs> well, and that's what I was – so I'm reading through the the uh, the transcription of Mike Houston's, you know, weekly presser, and he's he's talking about – He's, he's such a like congenial guy. He's talking about Dave Dreen and, and what he's done and how this is going to be a great game and stuff. And it really made me think about, you know, cause he's talking about facing opponents and they're excited to face this, you know, um, ranked team, but, but there's no historical context for him because Mike Houston is a traveler. I mean, he is not a guy that goes in and stays at a program very long because he's a builder. You know, he goes in, he fixes programs, he builds them, and then he moves on to the next one. Mm -hmm. So it's always funny to hear him talk about, you know, the historical significance of things because it's just, that's not what he's there to do. And so I, I, it always gets me when, when people ask him questions like that, like, come on, this is not who he is. Like he's there to rebuild what needs to be rebuilt and then move on. But he did have a really good quote about, and we talked about this about Keaton Mitchell, um, the running back, the star running back for ECU and how he's going to be used on special teams to return kickoffs, which I guess was something that they didn't want prior, but this is something that Keaton Mitchell really wants. Cause Keaton Mitchell is a dog. Like that's just, uh, yeah. it is what it is. He, he is he's, really fun to watch. Oh my God. He's incredible. And shout out Keith Mitchell. We're going to get him on the podcast for sure. Cause that's the homie. Um, I, I just absolutely love, I just love everything about how he plays. He's just a dog. And so I think it's great that he was like, Hey coach, I want to do these returns because he knows he's going to just gas people off the gate. So if I'm NC state and I know this may seem like a very trivial thing in a game, but I'm going to be watching that kicking and punting game. If Keith Mitchell's back there receiving, Special teams matter. They yeah. do matter. And and in this case, I think that could be a difference maker if he has some big breakaway returns and puts them in good field positions so that Holt Naylor doesn't have to do all that work, you know. And the AAC fans should know that oh. that's a big difference maker. Just everyone who watched Marcus Jones play last year should know that. Um, yeah. So with that being said, yes. tough team to pick. NC State at ECU. Who do you have? I'm going to go ECU. You're gonna go no for surprise, it. I'm sure. You're gonna break uh-huh. them. All right. I'm going I'm gonna do it. NC State. I just do think that that's fair. I think it's gonna be a little too much scoring for ECU's offense to keep up with. That's all. It's really hard for me to pick against a team that returns basically everyone that beat Clemson and exactly. you know has such a talented quarterback, receivers, and a good defense. It is hard to do that. I will say to you, like I know I sound crazy. Yeah, I definitely but do. yeah. 
I, I don't begrudge <laughs> you saying that stuff. I wanted to pick ECU for this game. I, I know. You very hard in this game. I just. I think, I though, if you're going to get a team like this, like NC State, if you're going to get a, a good team that comes into your home for your first game that you know is going to be packed, people are going to be coming out, they're going to be loud. I would rather get this team, and we'll talk about this with BYU-USF, I'd rather get a team this good early. I'd rather get them game one where they're going to be making mistakes too. That's you know fair. what I mean? So hopefully you can catch them in a couple mistakes and get a little bit of a home field advantage, and, and maybe that's the difference. So we'll see. I think – was a little bit younger, that'd be better too, but they're more experienced. Yeah. They, should, they shouldn't make those mistakes. But you see, they're you favored by 11 and a half. That feels like a lot. Yeah, maybe a little like bit. Like a touchdown, maybe, but I, I don't think yeah. more than a score. Yeah, and that's I don't also, know. you can get a couple points for being the home team, so it's really more like a two-touchdown spread at a neutral site. Yeah, that's that feels um, disrespectful, okay? It, I don't like that at all. Well, ECU's got a reputation still needs to shake you know I bet I mean? you Keaton Mitchell. Okay, I bet you Keaton Mitchell scores twice in the game, and one of them I bet is on special teams. Well, That's my prediction. The second caveat, 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 <laughs> caveat. Weird, weird word that yeah, one. That's, uh, that's I think fine. Here, <laughs> but I won't be surprised to see him score twice because I think he's going to want to run the ball. And I think they're going to be yeah. very determined and yes, forceful in their offensive approach. Mm -hmm. Anyways, uh, that's where we stand there. Our other noon game was Delaware at Navy, another FCS v. FBS matchup. Delaware is a pretty good program in uh, the CAA. Uh, Navy should still win this game because they are the FBS program, simply enough, sometimes. Yeah. Interesting thing that uh, Kenny Matalolo said this week is that he feels that this Navy team is the fastest, most, most athletic one he has had since he got to the academy. And I guess do with that information what you want. That doesn't necessarily mean best or well-oiled, but it is something that Navy is usually lacking for is great athletes. Yeah, and I, I took that to mean – and I, this is something that he's been saying even in the offseason, that they're athletic. And mm -hmm. I talked to, you know, Jason McDonald, their fullbacks coach, and he said – this is the most most athletic group they've had. So, and they're young, and so that I guess that makes a little bit of sense. They're very hungry. They're young. Mm -hmm. um, I think, oh God, Navy, it's just my heart. I just I, I want them that. to win so much, but it's, it's tough. tough. Well, the thing with Navy is you need to have that quarterback who can run the triple incredibly well and make the right decision to control mm -hmm. the game like that. As that gives your defense time to rest. It gives them time to regroup. It, limit, it makes possessions more valuable. But if you yeah. have a quarterback who puts the ball on the ground or makes the wrong decision once every, like, 50% of the time or even less than that, like, 33% of the time, yeah, you're, you're just not going to be successful the way you need to on offense and your defense is going to end up spending too much time on the field and the athleticism wins out. So I think Navy's in a position with uh, Ty Lavatai to be good on offense, maybe not great. I'm not talking Malcolm Perry or Keenan Reynolds here. I'm, but like mm -hmm. better than they have been in the past couple of years. Is that I thought that last year. Yeah. Yeah. I thought there was some uh, like cool note about this game between the Blue Hens and the Midshipmen, but I guess I was just imagining that because I could not find 
what I was looking for. I thought there was some sort of historical significance of this game, but uh, it has escaped me. So I'm, I guess, and maybe there is, and maybe someone will let us know. But um, one thing I did find that's interesting, because this is a home game for them, which is always better if you're Navy um, than traveling. They have an all-time record of 729, 585, and 57, because this is the 142nd year of mm-hmm. Navy football. That 729 wins... Uh, is tied with Arkansas for 26th most in the FBS. Nice. So historically, you know, there's a lot to build off of. It's just been, it's incredibly hard. And we've talked about this many times, how hard it is for Navy schedule wise, how hard it is for them recruiting wise. Now the NIL stuff that they're not allowed to deal with and the transfer portal. portal. Yeah. All of it, all of it. You know, it's tough. Mm -hmm. It's an all around really difficult situation for, Coach Neil Matalolo to not just build a competitive roster, but really build a roster at all. Mm-hmm. So just getting out there and winning five, six games a year doesn't sound like a lot, but winning five, six games a year is a really difficult thing to do there. I think sometimes it needs to be remembered because people get antsy about. Like, you know how all places do these, like coaches on the hot seat going into the year? Yeah. So I know, Kate. I've seen Nia Matalolo on a few of them. And then really? It makes, That's crazy. Makes no sense. Makes oh my sense. God. And they kind of I would like to know who did that because I will personally write them a handwritten note as to why I, that is not accurate. I've seen them several places. I'm, Jesus. That's just clickbait, honestly. Like people just are looking for someone who's been there for a long time with well, a bad record, you know? That's well, that's exactly what it is. It's because that's what it is. Some staff writers given at, I'm not even going to name necessarily a website, but like, because every website, has, <laughs> well, every website has this type of article on it. You know what I mean? doesn't matter yeah. who you are. You like the hot take. It's the, you know, hot seat, cold, you know, thing. You'll see a guy like Jeff Scott on in the AAC. Then they say, well, he's the only oh guy. Had a, well, I'm just, I'm just telling. I'm no, I go ahead. And because he's had a couple bad years in his first couple of years there, and they're like, well, we have to put someone from the AAC on. So they start there because he hasn't really won all that much yet, even though he, relatively speaking, just got there. Then you uh-huh. look around and you go, not him. He's been pretty good. Not him. You go, maybe Philip Montgomery, but like that was a couple of years ago that he was actually losing. You know who I would say, and this is probably not going to be very popular or well-received, but if I had to pick a hot seat head coach in the AAC, I honestly think it might be Willie Fritz because I don't love that he has put this offense through four offensive coordinators in the last couple of years. And the stuff that I've heard about Chip Long, now that I've talked to some people, he was a bad hire. Bad hire. Very bad hire. And I feel like Willie Fritz is smarter than that, but he was getting desperate. And that just didn't, that wasn't good. So, not to get on too much of a Willie Fritz tangent, I disagree. Mm -hmm. Because I think you need to look at what Tulane is historically versus what they've been under him and say, oh, wow. I'm not saying they haven't been successful. I understand that. But I'm saying if I had to pick, who else would you pick? Ryan Silverfield. Uh, That's fair. I I, I didn't really think about that. Yeah, that's fair. That's probably who I would put before him. He's not necessarily done a poor job, but because it's below. It just hasn't been enough. Yeah. Fonte Norvell did a lot better than he has. And yeah, well, that's, but that's a hard like Norvell did. Yeah, that's the thing though is that's the comparison that you are met with. You know what I mean? One guy got you to the Cotton Bowl. Next guy, it's like six and six, seven and five. 
and feels like you might be building to something, but it hasn't gone there. And you get antsy as a fan. That's all. Yeah. Um, Okay. All right, last couple. I'm gonna say back to Navy Delaware before yes, so we can move sorry. on. Um, no, it's okay. That was I think that was interesting. But I will say this: um, the Delaware team, I, I make it makes me a little nervous because they are ranked relatively high as an FCS team. Um, they, I have a sixth year quarterback <laughs> returning. Gotta gotta love a sixth year quarterback. And Nolan Henderson returning for a sixth year. He. He was injured, so, you know, I get it. Yeah. They have 17 transfers on their roster that include players from Virginia, Georgia, ECU, Illinois, Penn State, and Ohio State. Now, I know a lot of people are like, oh, those programs recruit guys that don't ever intend to play. Yeah, if you're are- getting an offer or on a roster at a, t- at a school like that, that means you're like a pretty good player. Yeah, or you have the potential to be. Yeah, you... They saw like something. Like, you're not bad, you know? Yeah. Yeah, Delaware is one of the teams that thinks it can replace James Madison in the CAA now that James Madison is a Sunbelt school. Uh, yeah. And be, like, the top dog in that conference or one of the top dogs. Villanova, I think, has aspirations to be there as well. Um, a couple others are really strong. And their New Hampshire's got some historic success that it could build on. Not 100% what we're talking about right now. But, yeah, so there, there is precedent for them being a very good FCS team that can do right. So that was kind of what I was saying is like that they are. So people see Delaware, they're like, Oh, you know, I'm not going to worry about it, especially when you have the FCS moniker, but they, they're a good school. Yeah. They're a good school. So. You know how people always make the joke that if you want to lose to an FCS team, you just have to schedule a Dakota, North Dakota state, South Dakota state. (laughs) Delaware is not too far behind that. You know what I mean? No. Yeah. It, it won't be an easy um, Navy should still win it, and I'm still picking Navy. So Navy is seven and seven in season openers under Coach Nia Matalolo, uh, and five and two when they opened the year at Navy Marine Corps Memorial Stadium. So mm-hmm. um, they've only lost three of their last four season openers. Well, that's not great. I shouldn't say only. They've lost three of their last four <laughs> season openers. They've only lost one out of their 12, or was it? Only lost 11 out of 12 games this season. It wasn't that bad. It wasn't wasn't that bad if you say it that way. But uh, so I don't know. I I think this is going to be a better year for Navy. So I'm going to go ahead and pick Navy. But I do think that Delaware is going to give them a little bit of hell. You know, this game might be like 20 to 17 or something like that pretty easily. Yeah. Anyways, let's move on to the 330 games. Mm-hmm. I'm going to start with the one that I think most people will look at as most interesting, though I think it actually might be the second most interesting in the group. So, Oh, yeah? I'm going to start with Cincinnati at Arkansas. Oh, boy. I think that's the game most people will have circled on Saturday from the AAC slate because you want to see what Cincinnati looks like. After Which is the- just so stupid because, a, and let me just, it's not a good sampling of the conference and Cincinnati's not going to win. So don't tune in if you just think, oh, we're going to see an AAC you know, team beat an SEC team. Just that's not what this game is. So just stop. Like, just stop right now. Don't watch it. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's my. That's it. That's my rant. The thing. That's the thing. Uh, <laughs> since they have so much turnover on their roster, uh, yeah. Luke Fickle is refusing to announce who the starting quarterback is. Oh my god, I saw that. <laughs> what that are we doing fun. here? I hate this thing that coaches do. Where like. We are not going to tell the other team our roster for a competitive advantage. Or they put out a roster where it's like, 
running back one or 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 just every player. It's in, it could be this guy or it could be that guy. Like, I don't know. Who cares? Like Steve Sarkeesian in Texas was like, I'm not going to put out a roster once this entire season. Yeah, but by week seven, people know who the damn offensive linemen are. You know what I mean? Like, you're not tricking anyone. Yeah. That hasn't changed all year, Steve. <laughs> so I think Steve. that's stupid. I think it's stupid. And I think it's better to just, or Jim Harbaugh again, talking about how his decision on the quarterback spot is biblical and he's given each uh, Cade McNamara and uh, J.J. McCarthy one game against Colorado State and Hawaii, respectively. Like, that's insane. Just I'll tell you this, those are not even games. So whoever gets the Colorado State game, that sucks. Because Colorado State is good. They've got, they're well coached and they're a little bit more established. I think Hawaii has just been a mess. Hawaii's well coached, but they're a mess right now. I like Timmy Chang. Yeah. But he's a first time head coach. I'm just, just saying Colorado State is, is much is a better, better than Hawaii team, right so. now. Much better than Hawaii. That sucks. 100% much better than Hawaii. I, I mean, like his approach because it's like, <laughs> I think it's. It's like you throw the stick down between the two warriors and you're like, all right, first, you know, it's like that scene in Batman where he's like trying to expand his team. What? He was quoting a Bible verse about Solomon, like cutting a baby in half. Like, yeah. What are you talking about? See, that 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 doesn't apply. Yeah. It was was such a weird rant. Um, That's actually, that's actually um, interesting because he's doing that so do you know what i mean like he is he's king solomon and or he's the the person that's cutting the baby in half like that's what he's doing so that's interesting that he used that just pick a baby jim like don't put them both under the knife like i mean i'm here for the i'm here for the old testament shit stop writing articles for on three about who jim harbaugh is gonna pick at quarterback i'm so bored of it no i love jim harbaugh i'm a jim harbaugh fan over here i know you are but like can do no wrong. Uh, this isn't even a Jim Harbaugh thing. It's more just I'm I, I'm so sick of coaches pretending that we don't all know who the player is. Especially like I kind of get it when you're like Brian Kelly at LSU refusing to say who the starter is, even though we all like. Oh my god! I know it's Jaden Daniels. You know what I mean? Uh, all right. Why is Cincinnati going to win this game over Arkansas, Dan? Uh, if they are able to, it's because they've recruited really well, and it's a working machine of a cog that's make sure mm-hmm. yeah, like I said, make sure recruiting well plus developmental to replace the guys you just lost if you're Cincinnati. Uh, you're bringing in either a highly touted recruit or an experienced transfer who spent time in the program before coming back. Either or the hope is that they work out well and can make up at least some of what Ritter provided to you. Uh, the other thing that you benefit from is relative experience in the trenches which is the strength of arkansas you don't have perfect experience necessarily but that's where their strength is so you need to kind of be able to match it anytime you play at an sec school you need to match them in the trenches if you can do that if you can replace that talent because you're that confident in how fickle is recruited and developed then why not go in and beat arkansas at the same time i don't necessarily think it's that easy you know, Arkansas is really good, and Sam Pittman's a really good coach, and they're gonna be physical with you, and they are just naturally bigger and stronger than anyone in the AAC. Yeah, I didn't realize that the Arkansas led the SEC in rushing. Oh yeah, that's like that feels weird. <laughs> a lot. 
No, they like to smash you in the mouth. Yeah. Like I mean, I know. I guess I know that, like, in my it's gonna be a part of my brain, but my heart was like, what? Yeah, no. It, they like to punch you in the mouth and punch you in the mouth again and see how long it takes you, you know what I mean, to go down. And that works against teams that they're physically stronger than, which they should hypothetically be physically stronger than Cincinnati. Yeah, a hundred percent. The one thing every time I watched Cincinnati in person this last season was that they were just weaker than other teams. Like they're very talented. They have a lot of good players and I think they're very well coached, but this is an old school, new school type of matchup. Like it's just not, they don't, yeah. they just don't let, it doesn't matter. They don't line up well. So I, also, I don't, I think a team like Houston would have a better shot of beating a team like Arkansas. Yes. Cause you, Cause you're mixing 100%. the national styles and you're kind of countering what they do. Well, uh, fun fact, there was no line in the Delaware Navy game. So they do that sometimes. Yeah. That's fun. Uh, in this game, however, Arkansas is favored by six. So yeah, I can see it. I think that since yeah. it puts up good fight, I do think Arkansas wins ultimately. Yeah. Same. I'm going to pick Arkansas. All right. And the next Moving game on. I actually think is more interesting than that 330 <clears throat> spot. And I'll see if you agree with me. It's Houston at UTSA. I think that UTSA yes. was a ton of fun to watch last year. Good running team. Uh, really interesting program that's being developed down there by uh, Jeff Trailer coming to the American Athletic Conference last year. This is obviously Houston's last season within the conference. Uh, a lot of people, including my personal uh, favorites to win the conference, both, uh, you had a stat about both teams being neat. If you have that, I'm trying to remember. I do, I do, I do, I do. So I tweeted this the other day because I was reading the American game. I'm one of the weird reporters who reads game notes. Like if you send me game notes, I will read all of them. I will find the best gems. So shout out to all the SIDs that do all the hard work and put together these amazing game notes with like gems that are incredible. I'm the one that appreciates it. All the good tweets and weird stats you see on Twitter are from game notes that an SID sent it. 100%. And I think it's so incredible that they still do it. So shout out to that. So the fun AAC fact of the day, the other day that just took off because UTSA has a huge following on Twitter, is Houston's season opener at UTSA Saturday is the only week one game between, the te- between teams that won 12 or more games last season. The only week one game. That's pretty incredible, I think. I think that's really exciting when you think it about is. it. Now, UTSA, a little bit of turnover on their roster, but this is a team that's really being built for the future very well. And I think is a very talented team. I'm really interested to see how Houston comes out this year because last year in week one, they stubbed their toe against mm-hmm. Texas Tech. And there was, mm-hmm. they had no right to lose that game to Texas Tech last year, but they did anyways. <laughs> and do you, I'm just saying, do you have trouble getting I just feel like every, every time people talk about Houston, it's just like, oh, if they had just beaten Texas Tech. Like, they must get I mean, so tired still, of hearing that. They still would have lost to Cincy in the AAC championship game, but that would have been Maybe, cool, maybe no. not. Maybe they'd have more swagger, like, without that one annoying lot. I don't know. Well, you, you it's like, you don't know. Yeah. It's a ripple well, effect. Well, if you're Houston, you think that you're a New Year's Six team this year. You're pretty confident mm-hmm. that the Cotton Bowl's on the menu this year, right? You're looking, looking at all the possibilities. You're like, mm, that one seems tasty. Uh, I think if they can avoid injury, that's been yeah. a big issue for them. If they could stay healthy, maybe. But I just, I have reservations. I know, I know I have that have you're not sold necessarily. 
but I kind of Dana uh, Hogerson is just crazy. I don't know how people are just so used to what he says. And they're like, yeah, oh, okay. Just like Dana being Dana. Like, no, what, how do you say some of the things you say? You mentioned Dana reminds me. I forgot to ask you your MFK. Cause you tweeted this out looking for, uh. uh, which we all know mm. what that stands for. I'm not going to say it cause we're trying to avoid the explicit rating. Um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Uh, okay, you gave for a re- so way I, to reward it. You were looking for a way to reward uh-huh. the coaches, and I just simply gave you three coaches, and you said you did. answered on the podcast. Well, why don't you say which coaches they were, and then I'll tell you. Dana, yeah, Dana Holgerson, mm-hmm. Sam Pittman over at Arkansas that mm-hmm. we already talked about, and everyone's mm-hmm. favorite, Mike Leach. It's really, it's like I've been avoiding this all day. It's so it's awful. Like I don't so, well, even. I'll give you my answer too. I'll give you my answer too. Okay. So, all right. So I am going to, uh, I'm going to, um, oh my God, I just can't even, I don't know that I can do this. (laughs) It's really, it's really, I mean, I know I'm going to, I'm going to kill Dana Holgerson. So that's, he's, that's the K. Sorry. Sorry, Dana, but that's where it ends because I don't want to marry Mike Lee. (laughs) But I also don't, but I also don't want to, you know, be physical with him either. So this is, I guess, I guess I would be physical. I would, um, Sam Pittman would be the F and then I could marry Leach, but not have to be physical with him. You know, just, it would just oh, be just, like, a, just a loveless marriage, like a green card marriage. Yeah. Uh, I think, I'd oh my God, Leech. that was incredibly difficult. I think I'd kill Leach because he annoys me. I hate mm. I hate that he's managed to trick reporters into asking questions like, what's your favorite Halloween candy instead of what are you thinking of? Like instead of real questions about how oh, yeah. he, he has about he has he this shit. Yeah. Yeah. It's not how he runs his program, it's not his decisions in games, it's not his personality, it's not sometimes his opinions that I disagree with on certain things, which whatever mm-hmm. they're you know what I mean, like it's thing like that. He doesn't ask about those, he gets Hey, where'd that pirate thing come from? Isn't that a funny George Costanza poster in your office? Like, I don't know how he did that with people. He just tricked. This is how he is. He does it on purpose. It's always been this way yeah. because it's his, it's like, and he, he can turn it off. I know people that have seen him be normal, but yeah. he doesn't do it because. Yeah, but then at SEC media days, mm-hmm. I'm just getting Saturday's down South is asking him, go to any Netflix recommendations. Like, don't yeah. take the mic if you don't have a real question. It's so annoying. Okay, but to be fair, like sometimes I, but sometimes I do questions like that. To be fair, okay. like I asked well, Jim Harbaugh like what food he could eat Joey Chestnut levels of at media day. So I, I just get mad when they tee it up for Mike Leach first. Like, <laughs> okay, so it's just a Mike Leach thing. It's a Mike Leach thing. So anyways, I'm killing him. Uh, All right. Okay. We're sleeping with Dana because he looks like he knows a few oh, things where you'd God, walk away you'd walk away in the morning being like, I kind of feel gross, but like that was something <laughs> I'm gonna remember for a while. And, I would need uh, there is no limit to the number of white claws I would need. Well, don't worry, because he's got <laughs> plenty he of liquor. Yeah. <laughs> and so you're marrying say, Sam Pittman? Yeah, think about it. He's a big guy, he's cuddly, you get in oh, cold in the middle God, of the night, ew. you cuddle up okay. next to him, just a little snuggle. This is the possibly the worst tangent we've Ever, we ever gone about Houston at UTSA, right? <laughs> yeah, that was tough. 
Uh, You've ever seen planes, trains, and automobiles when they wake up spooning in the hotel room and they just go, Swartz, how about them bears? How about the Chicago bears? That's what we're doing. (laughs) That's how this feels right now. Um, Okay, so Houston's favored by four. The game is at UTSA. Yeah. It's interesting. I mean, obviously... That that's a really that's a that's little a disrespectful. That's hmm? a tight spread. Four? It's that's disrespectful to Houston. Yeah, it's four. They're favored by four. That's yeah, Houston's winning this game in my mind. Not necessarily. I think they're gonna win it by a lot more than that. I would pick the over for sure. That more than four points. Yeah. I think they'll that's I think crazy. they'll win by more than four. I don't think they're gonna beat them by like twenty or anything, but like No, I don't think but two scores, I think, for sure. Seven and seven, eight is where I would have had the spread. I'm going to say, I would say, yeah, or 10, yeah, eight to 10, I think. I mean, I understand that this is a a quarterback heavy matchup, you know, Clayton Toon, Frank Harris, like these are guys that are going to sling the ball both very well, but Houston's defense is Houston's defense. Like, I don't, there's just, that's it. Like the end. I don't know what else to say to that. So. Uh, I will say something. We can move on from this game, but there was a question on Twitter recently, and I want your thought on this since we're talking about Texas. And we will circle back to another Texas game. But uh, somebody posted, I'm not going to say who, but somebody said that UTEP is universally. Did you see this? I don't, I don't think I you don't. saw this. So they said, you, and Eric chimed in and was like egging this on, like, and I was just like, there's no way that UTEP is universally considered the best college football stadium in Texas, in the state of Texas. Now, like between every that, college football stadium in the state of Texas, UTEP. This person quickly football. clarified and said, because I said, look, I've been to the Sun Bowl. Okay. It's like different. I've been there. It's different for It's sure. old and it's pretty. You know that overhead shot you get when you like see it. It looks like it's the surface of the moon. Is cool looking. It so that was what this cool. guy was getting at. Is he's trying to say, oh, it's this really cool view of the mountains, and that's what Eric chimed in. He's like, yeah, I want to go there because I want to see that beautiful view. And I was like, I'm sorry, but have you been to the Rose Bowl or like Utah well, or Wyoming Texas, or like Texas? If it's in Texas, is like well, and I get that he's, I get that, but like, there is no way in hell that you can say UTEP is universally considered the best stadium or venue in college football in the state of Texas. I think he said football in the state of Texas. That's what he said. That's wild to me because if we're choosing old beaten up stadiums, (laughs) the Cotton Bowl still exists. Like it's still there. And I was arguing with him, but he was just very firm on like, no, this is, this is because he's a Texas like beat writer, like covers high school and college and all that stuff. And I would have thought, I was just like, no. Okay, so full disclosure, I've never been to any Texas college football stadium. Just okay, haven't. well, that's uh, fair. From TV, from the TV. Uh-huh. I mean, I'm going to include the Power Five here, too. I mean, okay. Daryl Royal. I've been to most of them, so that was why Darryl I felt Royal like chiming in. Austin looks the best on TV to me. It's I mean, a, yeah, Texas, University of Texas is... I don't yes. love the way Kyle Field looks, to be honest with you. That's A&M. Uh, but if you're talking about environment, and he did yeah. say this, he's like, if you're talking environment-wise, it's probably Kyle Field. That's yeah. Apparently, that's uh, the best Texas environment. So that's what I've heard too. But like, I'm just yeah. right now. Uh, side note, tangent: Did you see the flooding in Dallas and the bubble created on the turf on SMU's field at Gerald Ford? <laughs> no. Oh, I you got. Yep, I read. It was a few days ago. I retweeted. 
Like, okay, they, I'll check it out. There was some issue with the turf when the flooding was so bad that a bubble appeared on the 20 yard line and just like shocking, a shocking like little thing. Oh, uh, that's tough. I don't know. I mean, TDECU for Houston, since we're talking about them, is brand new. That's a, yeah, but it's, and I've been there. It's it's sterile. Like, it's not. I don't like the environment there. I don't think Houston fans do a great job filling it up, if we're being honest. I, I honestly like Texas Tech. Like, I, I like the I stadium. The environment out there. Yeah, you the know? environment. Like, it's, of all the ones I've been to, and I've been to TCU. Like when, was the coach. What? Yeah, exactly. Um, I was there when Mah- I was covering Mahomes, so that was like a really cool time to be there. But I mean, I've been to UT, I've been to UTEP, I've been to um, TCU, I've been to Texas Tech. I mean, I pretty much been Houston, everywhere there is to be, except I haven't been to SMU, which I'm going to go to this year, and I haven't been to North Texas. Um, but I just found that crazy. I was like, "There's no way." That's true. And I will die on that hill that I, I just can't believe that. So anyways, that was my Texas tangent. Um, since we're talking about two Texas teams. So who are you going to pick in this game? Houston. All right. Same. I'm going to go Houston as well. I Part of me wants to go UTSA just to like rock the boat, but. Yeah. I, I need you to look at that field bubble now. Oh yeah. I see it. That's tough. That's tough. That's not good. Not good. good. <laughs> not good. Uh, we have one more 3-3 game. We are going through this at a snail's pace right now. Yeah, um, sorry. Great. We're going to pick it up. <laughs> we got it. We got it. We're going to be here until it's 1 a.m. Eastern at this pace. Um, the next game up is Tulsa at Wyoming. Tulsa hasn't played the game yet, but Wyoming has. They had a week zero matchup against Illinois where they frankly didn't look particularly good. Yeah. What did we learn from that? Anything? I don't, well, I small sample sizes. At this point, did we learn mm-hmm. that Illinois is better than we thought, that Wyoming's a little bit worse than we thought, that something didn't mesh right away? Um, you know, yeah. It's, it's is it to better play. to have the week zero game and then come into this one figuring some stuff out? Who knows? Or is it worse because you put some stuff on tape? Who knows? I don't yes, know. Yes, that that's also, right yeah, that's a, that is a chicken or the egg question for sure. I don't know if that's necessarily the right answer. Um, but Illinois, a team, that there's mixed opinions about, let's just say, because they're... Uh, let's well. not get into this. I don't want to go down this rabbit hole with okay, you. We're not going down the rabbit hole. No. But they smacked you around pretty good. As long as Okay. Yeah, um, they did. Now you're, this is your home opener. Tulsa's going to have to deal with the elevation with the altitude, which mm-hmm. is not easy to deal with. So what do we think? I, I mean, you know how I feel about Tulsa. Tulsa is one of my favorite teams in this conference because he, because the way that Coach Montgomery plays, um, the way I mean, the way he has them play, the way he sets up games, the way he just disrupts things and make things difficult for all the other teams. So, I, I'm obviously going to pick Tulsa. I don't really know what it's going to look like. Like, how do we know yet? Uh, yeah. It's his eighth um, year there. I mean, it hasn't been the easiest. We talk about this all the time. Tulsa has a very, huh? It's been ups and downs for him. It, was awesome. it has. It hasn't been all good, but it hasn't been all. You know, it's not all bad. Back There's a lot goals. of things. Goals. Yeah. So it's. I don't know. It's hard for me to shake off the UC Davis loss because when you start the season, that's 
like what I think about, you know. I guess that they went to a bowl and won a bowl game last year because of that UC Davis. Because that because of that UC Davis game, I know. Because they were awful out of conference last year. I know, I know, and that was their first game of the year. Mm-hmm. So yeah. it's like I'm getting flashbacks to that. So I, I'm really hoping that that doesn't happen. Um, but you know, they, they have a lot of talent. Um, I think defensively. I'm a little more excited for what they're going to do um, than I am on the offense. Cause I feel like we, we've talked about their offense to death, you know, with the Eric Prince and Davis Brin and, and all of that stuff, but their defense between guys like Anthony Goodlow, who is going to just be an incredible guy at defensive end for them and their secondary Tyon Davis um, just disruptive in, in that backfield. So I think he was one of just 18 FBS defenders with double digit pass breakups, but, but zero interceptions. <laughs> no, that's the thing is and defense has been their calling card in recent yeah. years. It's been what they're better at. So yeah. yeah, Tulsa to me, and I've said this before, will mm-hmm. never not be the hardest team to figure out in this conference for me. Yes. I'm going to ride with them because I feel like I feel good about the direction they're going at the same yeah. time. I think that Davis Brin, who, showed flashes of what he could do last season is going to put it together and have a good year this year. I think that the defense is going to be a good solid unit for them. Yeah. Are there holes in the team that need to be answered? Yeah, of course there are, but that's true for everyone. Uh, so if yeah. Davis Bring can cut his interception, he led the country with, inter- yeah. <laughs> with interceptions with 16. If that's he could cut that just down by a third, I think we're looking at it. And up swing. He gets that down to one a game rather than like close to one and a half a game. And it's like the pick sixes, man. Throw an interception, but don't throw any pick six. That's really... There's a difference between an arm punt and missing Mm. a guy on like a five-yard out. Mm. There just is. You can't hit that So if you could could not set your team up for losses like that, I think that would be just... Because they managed to win three of those games anyways mm-hmm. that he did, did these things in. And, but that's just a huge deficit to have to overcome, you know, just do your job the right way, be very careful. And hopefully, you know, Bryn, he does that this year. He's more careful. And I think if they get less of that from him and, and more produ- production from the defense um, being disruptive, continued disruption, then, then they will be good. So I'm definitely picking them in this game. So. Yeah. I'm picking Tulsa as well. And part of that is because I'm high on them. Part of that's because this is the AAC pod and I'm going to roll with them. You know, what's a bummer for how bad Wyoming did in that week zero Tulsa's only favored by six and a half. Well, it's at Wyoming. That's just, we just had this conversation about how it's hard to figure out. It just is. Uh, I know, but Wyoming looked terrible. So you're going to give, they're going to give them six points. Come on, man. To counter it to your point, it was against a Big Ten team. That's fair. That is fair. One that you. But like to counter Brett that point, it was Illinois, on. which you like Brett Bielema, though. I love him, but I to counter that point, it's Illinois, which everybody hates on and thinks is terrible anyway. So, well. <laughs> Anyways, <laughs> it should be a good. I'm excited to see what Tulsa does out of the gate. So for sure, yeah, it'll be good. Uh, next up, right. is a four o'clock matchup. This is Emily's game. Ladies and gentlemen, yes. BYU at USF. <laughs> uh, so Emily, excited. you are yes. 100% on the USF bandwagon for this game. 
why? Yeah, you know what? I guess like in general, this has now become my platform is <laughs> that USF is going to have a season. Uh, I don't really know how I got they here, but I'm here. I'm, I'm here. This year. <laughs> I'm here and uh, I, you know, I think it's the multiple times that I've talked to Jeff Scott. I think he's just an incredible like motivator and he's so um, excited, especially when we talked about this game in particular, because he loves big first games. And the way he won me over is not only with his excitement, but he talked about, he set the scene. And this is something I talked about with fans on Twitter is you're looking at a, a 4 PM kick in South Florida where the temperature is predicted to be 92. I don't know what the humidity is, but it's probably about 92. Not great. Yeah. It's like, let's just say, call it a hundred, hundred percent humidity. And you're warming up at 3 PM in the dead of the day on Saturday it's, as a BYU team. Don't care. So, it's definitely going to be an environmental advantage, at least from that respect. Like worst case scenario for a first game of the season, when you're coming in yeah. to this environment against a team that is arguably better than they were last year, more, they have athletes. You're looking at, you're looking at a, a vehicle that's driven like a tank, which is mm-hmm. BYU and then a sports car, which is USF. So both of them have pluses and negatives, but if you're going to make this into a track meet where you have to have some sort of like um, you need to be able to survive the weather and the conditions and all the stuff. I would rather roll with the team that is athletic than the team that's just going to be chugging along. If that makes sense. I get what you're saying. Mm -hmm. My problem Mm -hmm. with it is that USF hasn't proved their ability to work cohesively as a unit and as a team in some time now. And that's where I have a hard time. I, and you're predicting. You're making a predictive thing here, which I right. get. You're predicting that this is the year where it starts to click a little bit better. Now, I do mm-hmm. think that BYU is not going to be as good as some people think they're going to be this year. I think it's a step back for them. They yeah. lost a few guys. How long can you keep doing this replacement thing at BYU? It's a tricky school in a lot of respects due to its religion and the rules that come with it. Uh, without diving too deep into what makes BYU BYU. But it's a Mormon mm-hmm. school, and there's a lot that comes along with that. The same way, there's a lot that comes along with a lot of religious schools. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, yeah. There just is. There's a place to win consistently, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think Kalani Satake is a really, really good head coach, though. Yeah. He's, he's doing. Uh I do think BYU takes a step back. I do think USF takes a step forward. I think USF has some great athletes. I think Gary Bohan's a really good quarterback. My question, though, is do they step back and forward so much that they meet in the middle or surpass each other? I don't know that they get that far in either side. I think it's going to be a good game for sure. I do think BYU wins. Well, the one good thing about uh, Timmy McLean losing out, which I am sad about, obviously, uh, is that this new quarterback has played against the Cougars. Um, McLean, UCF legend. <laughs> oh, God bless Timmy McLean. Um, so I think you have that going for you. Um, and then, you know, they return. We talked about this, like USF returns a lot of their guys um, because they were young. And so now they're back for another year and, and mm-hmm. 
It's it's more like this. I don't have the numbers to back up why I think USF is going to win this game. I just, I always think BYU is overrated every year. And I think the game last year, USF gave, no, I just, USF gave him a really good game last year. And that I'm basing it off that I'm basing it off the weather, which is going to be in the nineties and possibly raining in Tampa. Um, Yeah. This four o'clock, by the way, in the afternoon is prime three hour weather delay window. Yeah. It's going to be tough. It's not going to be an easy thing for, for BYU to go up against because they're just not going to be used to it. So the only problem is fans. They need, I mean, I know they can't get 75,000 people to fill Raymond James, but I'm really hoping they get more than their average of 22. The only time they fill that, uh, 22 is what they announce. The only time they fill that stadium is when the black and gold are there. It's the only time. I just, I feel like, and then this is a cry, a ploy to USF fans, go to the game. Go. Because you literally could be the difference in this game. It's why they need an on-campus stadium. And yeah, I know. It's before. That's something Jeff Scott's been very good about and proactive about getting the funding for. Yeah. Students driving across the city of Tampa to go to a game is just not realistic. It just isn't. You know yeah. what I mean? They Students want to party and have a good time and relax on a weekend. That's easy to do. If, it's easy to go to the game if it's on campus. Like that can become part of the routine and the ritual, but if it's not, you go. I don't know. I get it. It's hard, but if one of us has to be sober, or we have to pay for an Uber to get back and forth, don't uh, they do shuttles? I mean, there has to be I mean, some sort I, of. I don't. I'm sure USF does have shuttles. I don't. know. Yeah, I'm sure they do. I I didn't go to USF, so I don't know for sure. Well, I'm that's, gonna that's, look it up for. To go for it. Look it up if you want. But I'm, I'm just saying, to. like. It just makes it harder to get, and USF is a huge student body. It just makes it really hard to get students go into games when it's not right there. You know, you saw it at UCF when they played at the Citrus Bowl or Camping World Stadium, whatever you want to call it, which is, you know, 20, 35, like 25 minutes from campus. You saw it when UMass was having to upgrade McGurk to get it to FBS level. We're not going to go into a on-campus stadium tirade right now because we need to get through these games. Way too into it. (laughs) Stop. I will just say this. Something they need. USF returns 86% of its production. Okay? Yeah, that's good. I mean, I feel like that stat alone is... That is because I didn't have a lot of numbers to support it. There you go. There's a number. But then you have Sataki coming over here and saying in his quote about the game, they have some new bodies and some new players. <laughs> they have a lot of talent. I think they're really good. Like, get out of here with that coach speak. It's just such generic coach speak. It's just, I, I hate it. Give me I, something or give me nothing, but don't give me that. This is why I need real football to start because I'm yeah. so sick of transcribing coach right. speak. Right, coach speak. I'm tired of it. All right, I'm taking USF. I'm going to BYU. All right. Three uh, more games. Here we go. Try to shut me down while I talked about UMass. Can't shut me down now. <laughs> Seven o'clock, UMass at Tulane. This Ooh. is all you. I literally have, like, I have nothing to say about this game. <laughs> UMass comes in after a 1-11 season where they only managed to beat UConn at home. Mm-hmm. Uh, to a Tulane team that really didn't, if you look, just look at the wins loss record, didn't fare that much better last year, but we all know is a much better team than UMass deep down. Uh, much more talented, much more well put together, weird circumstances. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
Don Brown, who people might remember from being the Michigan defense coordinator for years under Jim Harbaugh, more recently the Arizona defense coordinator, or even from his time as UMass head coach where he took them to the FCS national championship game in 2006, uh, is back to give it another round of coaching at UMass. Defensive guy, solve your problems with aggression. If you've ever heard that, that's him. Going to blitz a lot. Going to try to create havoc with the defense. It's not a particularly talented defense. It's a small, undersized defense that is going to take time to get to where he wants it to be. Mm-hmm. Um, but they're going to try to solve their problems with aggression. So expect. Which might just work against Tulane. <laughs> well, that's the thing. If you can create, if you can get to the backfield and you can force bad decisions from the quarterback, who knows? Uh, it's literally not the worst. It's not the worst idea I've ever heard for this game plan. <laughs> Yeah, uh, offensive side of the ball for UMass. Expect a large dosage of Ellis Merriweather, a power running back that they have. Pretty good Mm -hmm. running back, in all honesty. I know that no one likes to admit there might be a good playing. He's pretty good. Um, Quarterback situation's a little funky. Brady Olsen is the presumed starter for UMass. He was a true freshman starter last season. He was frankly not good. Uh, Some of that's freshman, just being a freshman, learning things. Some of that's Where's his like the ceiling cap on his potential? We uh, mm-hmm. have another guy also uh, same <laughs> so sophomore Zamar Wise is his name. Uh, good running quarterback who Walt Bell never really let throw the ball for pick a reason, but he would bring him in to be like a running quarterback for running packages, one of those very telegraphed ways. Uh, so we'll see what type of action we see from him if that's the whole thing they're doing with a new coaching staff or if that's something that they're going to get away from yeah yeah i mean end of the day though tulane should roll pretty easily umass has huge huge issues and <laughs> its roster construction obviously it has a lot of things it's working through well hear me out here so tulane's favored by 28 and a half points yeah that's fair. <laughs> which is no i don't let me just tell you right now let me read you some things here. I, mean, uh, I watch UMass every week. No, no, and that's it's fine. Bad. I'm not going to talk about UMass. What everything you okay. said about UMass is, I'm sure, accurate. You know better than me. But let me just wax poetic about Tulane for a second. They were two and ten last season, one and seven in the AAC. That is the same record as South Florida and Temple. Well, let's Temple. just let let those. I mean, everything else aside, let that sink in. Yeah, they had the same record. As Temple in the conference. Okay. Temple, Temple was three and nine. Let's not strip them of that win at the conference. I'm sorry. I, I'm talking about conference one in yeah. seven. No, I know. That, I mean, that's, I'm mean, like, how, how A and B. So, and we all well, remember the trajectory. Was it was a disaster. But, but with knowing that and knowing, you know, the fact that they've been through this many offensive coordinators in this many years and Pratt struggled very much so because of it, um, knowing all these things, my biggest question to them is what makes me think you're going to be better than that? Like, why would I assume that you're going to start the year any better than the way you ended it just because you have a new offensive coordinator? It's a lot of the same people. In fact, they're losing guys that are good. Mm-hmm. So my question, and you know, I love Tulane. Like this is, I know. I know. this is very hard for me to say, but if I'm looking, I'm looking at it on paper where is the reason that they beat UMass? Okay. That's all well, I'm saying. 
I can tell you why they beat UMass. Because <laughs> UMass is bad? Because UMass is UMass. I mean, That's all there is but it. you could I argue can't. that Tulane is Tulane. There's games that they should not have lost last year but that they we, that they did. Okay, I want, I want. How many UMass games did you watch last year? Uh, probably none. Oh no, the one where they got their win that you were texting me. The UConn game. Yes, that one I did watch. Okay. Only because you were texting me about game. it. I was at that game. Yeah. Yes, um, exactly. <laughs> you guys stormed the field. <laughs> I didn't storm the field. The students. No, but people did. That was UMass's first win since 2019. By the way. Yeah. Well, I'm glad they got. I'm glad the they Walt, got it. In Walt Bell's three seasons, he won two games total. It's bad. Yeah. So UMass is worse than you can. If UMass were in FCS football. They wouldn't be a playoff team. They wouldn't be a top twenty-five team. They'd be a six and six FCS team. They lost to two FCS yeah. teams. I mean, of course, they're of course. I don't believe you know Tulane's going to lose, but it's more a philosophical question to pose to Tulane fans in the program. I I can't understand or believe that it's going to be better until I see like I, there's nothing on paper that that tells me that this team is going to be better than last year's team given like very few adjustments are made. It's, it's a lot of the same guys. Um, and it was clearly some sort of mental issue. Now I've been told that it was, it had to do with culture and, and a lot with the offensive coordinator and yeah, that stuff that was going on. I'm not worrying about it. The, the hurricane displacement yeah. was part of it. There's a ton of stuff that happened. That's, that's what they, people say that, but I mean, football is football at the end of the day, when you get on the field, they were not producing and they were turning the ball over at an alarming rate. Yeah, they were so, so I'm, I'm hoping that they use this game to figure yeah. that shit out. That's all I'm saying. Get right against my beloved. You man. <laughs> that being said, I'm obviously going to pick Tulane. Yeah. So are you going to pick UMass? No, I'm picking Tulane. Oh, no. I know. <laughs> I know. I want to see what, okay. I want to see what UMass looks like under Don Brown. I'm of course very interested. Yeah. Um, what if they come out and it's just like, Amazing. Oh, then I'm definitely picking them over Temple in a few weeks. Oh, oh no. If they look amazing. Is that that at Temple? Yeah, it should be. Well, I guess. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. Okay. Temple can go to UMass. They're not above that. Yeah. No, I I, I just didn't know. I didn't know where it was. coming to UMass in a year or two, I think. No, no, I wasn't saying that. I just didn't know. I didn't, I didn't realize. Well, all right. Well, we're both picking Tulane. So. One of the best high school stadiums you can play a college game at. Tulane UMass was the game I was going to be at Saturday, yeah. but my weekend took a turn four hours east. north. East. East. I don't know. Northeast. I don't know. Where it's, it's definitely up. I don't know which direction, yeah. but, and I will be rolling into Stark Vegas for the Memphis Mississippi state game. Oh boy. I got a fever. <laughs> How are we not sick of cowbell memes and cowbell questions yet? There's more cowbell. It's just I, uh, walking. Those who needed to hear that. It's uh it's it's too much. But honestly, this game is going to be incredible. A because last year was so crazy. And for those of you who don't remember the awesome Mississippi state Memphis game last year. That was at Memphis, uh, Calvin Austin, the third man just had that, himself that, that punt return. 94 yards to the house in the fourth Controversially. quarter, Controversially. longest return for a Memphis tiger since 1975. 
Nice. Loved it. Loved that game. Great for Memphis. Happy that they won that game last year. Mississippi State's out for blood in this game. Oh, yeah. They're so I thought App State was bad with their fans. I'm expecting worse in Starkville on Saturday. Yeah, it's going to be ugly. It's going to be real ugly. Memphis has been practicing with Cowboy Noise probably all offseason. Not off. And one of their players today had the funniest quotes. I forget who it was. I retweeted it, but one of them was just like, yeah, I, I don't know why everyone's so upset. Like, I like the noise. It's soothing. And I just know it's just stirring up shit. Like, it's just, it's going to be it's, so great. They're so obnoxious with those cowbells. Those cowbells. Oh, I can't wait to, but I can't wait to be a person. Like, I've never been to Starkville, so this will be a first for me. I think it's going to be my 50th stadium I've been to in college nice. football, so. Yeah, I'm pretty excited to check it off the list. It's going to be the 46th meeting between the two programs. Um, Mississippi State holds the record 34 and 11 over the Tigers, including a mark of 15 and four in Stark Vegas. So that doesn't bode well for Memphis. But they did snap the 12 game winning streak last year um, with that with the 31 29 win. So I don't know. What do you think? I think Memphis is a young team overall. I think mm-hmm. they've got to figure out who's stepping up at the skill positions. I think they've mm-hmm. got to fix a lot of issues on defense. And I think Mississippi State kicks their ass. Mm-hmm. To be honest with you. Really? I think, I think Mississippi so, State put a lot of points in this game. I the think, spread is 15 and, and a half. I, I think Mississippi More? State covers. I think they cover. Oof. I think That's this game's ugly. I'm thinking Mississippi State scores more than 40 points. I mean, I, yeah, I'm going to pick Mississippi State. I want to pick Memphis, but I can't in good conscience do that. Worth pointing out that this is an AAC podcast and we're always rooting for the AAC school. Right. Of course. I just mean, I think it's just the away atmosphere and given all the bad blood, I just, I think that's going to be like, it's too much. It's too much overcome. It's going to be too chaotic. It's just not going to work out. But I was promised by offensive coordinator Tim Cramsey that there will be a fullback. Unclear who it's going to be because their roster does not list one. But one let's go with the refrigerator Perry style. I don't know. Let's let's look here. Um, I'm going to cruise through this depth chart real quick um, because I was promised one. And I, I'm actually not sure where he's going to pull that from. I think here we go. So that might be the way that you pulled that from. No, I think you think you pull a tight end, but it's just got to be the right. It's got to be the right tight end. Like we said, the way you find a fullback in the wild is is a tight end who's six foot, six two, maybe six three, but he's two hundred fifty pounds at least. Yeah, or you may be like a uh, a five ten running back who hit two fifty somehow, and you're like, well, you're kind of no longer <laughs> the thickness. You're not See right here. Guy. We already got one, John Hassel. All right, he is a six two two forty. Fifth what's year. What's his number? He is number 13. Yeah, look for number 13 in the backfield, folks. <laughs> He's going to be getting it done. We hope. So, I mean, I just, I asked really nicely if we could have a fullback in this game. I don't think Mike Leach would see it coming. So, Mike you know. Mike know how to define a fullback. Yeah, I, I don't think he would. Think that, he'd be like, what is this? 
Yeah. So I think that's really the key. Oh, we got another one here. Tight end 6'1", 235, little light, redshirt freshman, number 88, Arrington McCray. Needs to hit the gym. Needs to hit the weight room a few more times. Yeah, he needs needs a little more. So I really think it's going to be that guy. I think we're going to see, you know. Yeah, number 13, John Hassel. He is a Tennessee native. He's a fifth year. I mean, they're going to put him into some. They might as well. John Hassel. John Hassel, write that down. <laughs> the question mark. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> there we go. Um, I mean, Mississippi State, their offense is incredible. Uh, Why? Well, I guess incredible is a strong word. It's uh, it's good. It's prolific. It's prolific it's sword. it's going to be something that Memphis is going to have a hard time defending, mm-hmm. and then their defense. I don't know how, but their defense is good somehow under Mike Leach. I guess that's credit to it's credit to the. No, it's credit to just being in the SEC and being able to recruit SEC talent. Like that's that's the thing is their defensive line in particular is excellent, and it's not because Mike Leach cares. It's because it's hard not to have a pretty good defensive line at the bare minimum in that conference. Zach Arnett, he is the defensive coordinator, so I'm at least going to give him some credit. Yeah. So. Give the recruiting coordinator some credit for keeping those guys away from Lane Kiffin. This will be fun to watch Will Rogers, who He's a lot of him. my Mississippi State friends are very high on, uh, versus Seth Hennigan. So, again, another good quarterback. I've It'll be interesting a, to tune into that, you know. I've heard a lot of good stuff about Will Rogers as yes. well in terms of what people think he's going to do statistically this year. Pretty incredible, as they thought. The thing that he edges Hennigan in is ball control and safety. Yeah. Like Hennigan, not to be fair, he was a, a freshman. So, you know, mm-hmm. you give yeah. him that and you hope that he's better this year. But I also think is decision making. I really am very, that's one of the things I'm going to be watching is to, to see how Hennigan has progressed from a, an analytical standpoint when he's standing there in the pocket, how he makes the decisions and what he does. Has that gotten better? Because that to me is going to be a sign that Silverfield is really trying to develop his players as opposed to trying to stay but, off of the hot seat. <laughs> I think the interesting thing to me from Memphis's offense, in particular Seth Hennigan, last year mm-hmm. he always knew he could throw to Calvin Austin. So that led to a yeah. lot of just feed Calvin Austin, feed Calvin Austin. Maybe you're forcing it to Calvin Austin. Maybe you're not getting through your reads because you just wanted to get there super quick. Yeah. Are you going to have a guy who steps up to replace him? Or are you going to have to learn to read a defense because you don't have that guy who can be a safety valve in the same way. Uh, So that's kind of my question. And if you don't have a guy who can be that star, is he capable of going through the reads the way he needs to? And again, freshman last year, plenty of time to develop. I've heard only good things about how he's coming along. So I hope Memphis can win. I don't think they will. I think it's going to be kind of ugly to be honest with you. Yeah. I'll be interested to see how they supplement the run game. Uh, running back Brandon Thomas looks like he's going to yeah. give that nod. And and he did have two games that were over 100 yards rushing last season. So Not bad player. Not bad player. it's encouraging. It's encouraging. So we'll see. I mean, obviously, go Mississippi State, but I'm hoping that Memphis makes it more interesting than 15 points. Yeah. But we'll see. One more. Last game. game. Finally, last game, SMU at North Texas. North Texas played last week and looked pretty good against UTEP, who was good at least in 2021. Again, mm-hmm. how much information can you derive from the first game of the season? I say not very much because you don't know everything, but North Texas looked pretty efficient passing the ball. 
So mm-hmm. I'll be interested to see where the uh, SMU defense is in response to that, especially the secondary. Are you able to force some mistakes that North Texas wasn't really making last week? Uh, and then how prolific is the offense this year under Rhett Lashley? Kind of a new system. Well, it is a new system, but kind mm-hmm. of one too because he was an OC under Sunny Dykes for a little while there. So it's not going to be that, that different, but it'll be interesting to me. You know, what's funny is I was talking about this before we started, but so this series, it's, it's so funny. North Texas is like the little stepchild that gets no love when you talk about the the battle for, for Dallas's soul or, you know, that part of Texas. Yeah. Yeah, It's, it's like TCU SMU have had this battle going on more so now that you've got Sonny Dykes over there and, and whatnot, but you know, North Texas doesn't get as much. I think people haven't really talked about them since Mason fine was quarterback. I mean, and that was, those were kind of the good years. Um, It's not a program with a lot of historic success. Right. And it's terrible. It's it's too bad because Seth Luttrell, I think is a great coach. Um, And I think, you know, he just hasn't had that breakout full squad yet he's had like pieces here and there he but this Kiffin's FAU a couple of times yeah <laughs> like that happened he's uh this series though and I'm, I'm hoping to talk to Seth Luttrell this week about it because I think it's interesting um the dynamic between all of these universities within x amount of miles of each other but this series began in 1922 they've been they played 41 times over the years um and and actually North Texas is four and two at home um, as a, and that's in the new stadium because a lot of state, a lot of games were played in the old Texas stadium in Irving. Um, mm-hmm. But the last time, you know, that Seth Luttrell and Rutt Lashley faced off in this dynamic was in 2018 and uh, their quarterback, Austin, I, I, do you say Ani? Is it, I don't know how you, I, I'm yeah. Sorry, I Anyways, uh, I should know that, but I'm so bad with pronunciations. Their quarterback, he was a red shirt then. Um, but they beat SMU. So that's kind of an, an interesting layer to add to, to this dynamic. Now, I think a lot of people are going to go in and, and think, well, SMU is the better team. They're favored by 10 and a half. I feel like that's a lot for a team for that we coach. don't know. What? It's tough for the first year coach, I was saying, to like bank yeah. on a 10 point and went on the road it just and especially yeah well and it's the road but it's it's another texas team so you know that this is something they care about recruiting wise this is something mm-hmm. that impacts the program this and they've built this platform as being dallas's team mm-hmm. okay well you, you, it's not just tcu on the schedule you know and he talked about in the article that i wrote how they have that TCU day circled a lot of people do because it's a it's a big game, but what about this game? You know, this is You're 100%. this is also a big game. You're 100 percent right. I think you just gave a perfect reason why everyone should be watching it. It yes. is a big game. It's an important game. Uh, I think it might get chippy. I, I really do. I think it's going to be an exciting game. I don't think there's going to be a yeah. lot of defense played in it. To be honest with you, I think yeah. there's going to be a shootout, and I'm excited for that. I'm excited to see what it looks like with Rhett Lashley as a head coach. I'm excited to see. You know, Tanner Mordecai again, because I just love watching him throw the mm-hmm. football around. I don't see yeah. for this game. Really am. I don't know. I think SMU is prob- is just the more talented, deeper roster overall. And that prevails in the end. But I agree with everything. <laughs> I got to say something about that. So I've been doing my fullback research, right? And How many fullbacks? They have four, five. No, not, none fullbacks, which I will take up with Coach Lashley to, yeah, after the game. Get on, get on him with that. We will. But as I'm going through their 
roster 22 wide receivers yeah defeat that wide receiver that's not even a joke there are 22 players listed at the wide receiver position how many of those are guys who could probably be decent backs that's insane like that's that is that is a lot even like mike leach didn't even even have that many at mississippi state how do you have 22 Guys listed at wide receiver. What? They must have zero the tight ends for one. It's got to be a zero tight end situation. No, they have a few, but Brandon I mean, not many. But right with no tight ends. I know they had Grant Calcaterra last year, but um, yeah. it's just crazy to me. I saw that and I was just like, who does Rhett Lashley think he is? He's over here hoarding wide receivers for Tanner Mordecai. Right. Like, what? Yeah. I mean, I'm sure when he got there, people were like, oh, transfer, and that's a great passing school to go to for a, a wide receiver. And then every, how many receivers do you think are going to be used in this game? That's my question to everybody. No are we going to see five, six, seven? I'd say no more than eight. No more than eight. That's just a lot. That that's feels like, like a lot it depends to me. on the circumstance of the game, too. Like, if it gets out of hand, yeah. you go deeper. If it I don't think it's going to get out of hand. Well, I don't know that's going to get out of hand. But you do your rotations, injuries occur, mm-hmm. you know, you know. You don't need 22 wide receivers necessarily to. Yeah, but if it, okay, but if off. you're saying if, if SMU goes up, you're not letting Mordecai throw, or you're not even going to throw that much. Then you exercise the run game out, so you wouldn't even need that many receivers. Well, maybe some that's crazy. Love blocking than others. Maybe they. All I just literally was like, this is insane. Maybe that's my red zone jump ball wide receiver. That's my deep threat. That's my <laughs> route runner. That's my slot guy. That's my possession receiver. Oh my god! That's my guy who could be a tight end if I needed him to be a. Stink. He's really not. He's hedging all his bets over there. Like he's. Got... That guy's more like a running back in reality. We just list him at wide receiver. He's a corner. Those guys are just for special teams. To so see, like I, I think I just got twenty-two wide receivers there. Yeah, no. Well, I think the best thing that North Texas did for themselves was um, overcome some of the injuries that they've already had to guys and have other guys step in. So I know uh, offensive linemen, at least two of them got in the game that made their first career starts and did relatively well and held their own. So that's something North Texas has coming into this game that SMU doesn't have yet. So I am actually going to pick North Texas to upset SMU. I know you're not as high on uh, SMU as I am. No, I do like SMU, but I just, but I don't like know. the disrespect to the, the little brother here. It's not. Emphasis on little. Yeah, well. well. There we have it. David and Goliath, man. All right. <laughs> if you say well, so. Thank you guys for sticking with us through that, that lengthy preview. Yeah. We got to be a little bit tighter next time. Yeah, we'll tighten it. It's easier during the season. There's not as many games, but. Yeah, I'm you sure do? you guys love the color. It's fine. <laughs> we, next time we have to do two uh, MFK games. Two. Yeah, five. we'll we'll try and bring a new I'll try one. Make it more handsome. I'll try. We can do. Uh, yeah, just not as gross. And I don't know. Uh, who's Jeff Hafley? Let's go. We should do an MFK every every episode. That'd be fun. Like a fun little note. All right. All right. Well, thank you guys for sticking with us. Make sure to follow along on social media. I am at MLM, E-M-I-L-N-E-M on Twitter and Instagram. And I'm at Dan underscore Morrison 96 on Twitter. No Instagram. No way to check out your puppy pics. Are you going to tweet one? I thought about it, but then I was like, "Ah, maybe not. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe we'll get Dan to tweet a picture of his dog. Do you want to tell them her name? Lily. 
Lily. Yeah, she's a Samoyed. She's sassy. She's a little, yeah, she's a little tiny yeah. thing. She loves eating <laughs> my apartment. And, you know. Well, that's where gotta put at. in the work and train her. Yeah. Are you getting training oh. treats and stuff? And I've got training treats. Yeah, we're working on it. Okay. We're working on Good. it. I mean, she's 10 weeks old. It's going to happen. I know. She's big for 10. When you sent me that picture, I was like, oh. Oh, she's a lot I think she's just really fluffy. I think she's fluffy. She really yeah, that's what it she's is. She's a lot of yeah. fluff. I can pick her up with one hand pretty easy. She probably gets hot really easily. She says she. Are you going to shave her? No, no, I'm not. Never? No. Good. No, never shave her. No, Good she's job. double coated. Don't want to shave her. I mean, I've got a brush to detangle and brush yeah, her. Ma- yeah, you no, got to brush shave. her. Never shave. Awesome. Well, make sure you guys, if you disagree with any of our picks uh, and want to tell us why, make sure you tweet at us or the Underdog Dynasty handle. Make sure you're subscribing to the podcast and letting us know what you want to hear more of. And we will be working hard this season to bring you coaches and players and all the interviews and content that you want because we are dedicated to this conference, right? Yes. (laughs) So thank you for sticking with us. Hey, I've been doing the AAC for like four or five years. I know this is only my second, this is my second year, but I, I don't know. I don't keep track of that kind of thing. So that's why it's It's so fun because you, you're like the jaded uh, person that I'm over here. Like, yeah, everything's great. (laughs) Oh, sure. Yeah. Let's just, let's call. Let's call. (laughs) Stay tuned and we will talk to you next time. All right. We're off.